Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Dinking Around with Eddie and Webby. I am Webby, not Eddie, and I really can't believe it, but 2022 is already coming to an end here, and I hate to say it, but once again, Eddie will not be joining us for this episode, but fear not, everybody. We are going to make sure of it that Eddie and I do a lot more episodes of Dinking Around together in 2023, and we also have some very fun projects that we plan on doing that you are definitely going to want to stay tuned for. But with all that being said, this is going to be a very fun and special episode. Ever since Eddie and I started doing a pickleball podcast together, we have always spent the final episode of the year looking back at our top 10 favorite moments of the year. But this year, we're going to do something a little bit different. Normally, we would talk about our favorite pickleball moments that are specifically related to things that Eddie and I have been a part of. But for this episode... We're going to discuss what we feel are the most impactful and newsworthy moments of the year in the world of pickleball as a whole. And I will not be alone. I'm going to be joined by a very special guest. And instead of making you guys listen to me blabber on for a bit all by myself, I'm not going to waste any more time. And I'm going to have our guest join us now so we can get right to our discussion. Not only is today's guest one of my all-time favorite podcast guests we've ever had, but he is also an official Pickleball Hall of Famer who has been addicted to high-level pickleball since 1974. Please welcome to the show, Steve Peranto. How's it going, Steve? Great to see you again. I'm doing great. Welcome to uh, Rex, uh, our new great pickleball club here near Portland, Oregon in Clackamas, Oregon. Oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah, I've seen some posts that you've done and other people have done online about Rex. Seems like an awesome place. Yeah, well, we need this in the Northwest. We have a lot of rain. Well, we have snow coming tonight. Um, yeah. But they, usually it's just rain, so we needed indoor places to play, especially for our players to keep up with uh, Florida and California and Utah and all the places that have great weather. Oh, for sure. Yeah, these uh, places like where I live and where you live, we definitely need something for the winter months, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to see stuff like that finally is starting to happen. I love it. That's very, very cool. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is actually your fourth appearance as a guest on one of our podcasts. So that's uh, that's pretty awesome right there. <laughs> it shows how much we love you. <laughs> I feel like I'm one of the... Uh, uh, remember, I remember back in the day when uh, they'd have a, make a big deal if you were on Saturday Night Live three times. You know, the three-timer club, and you get to go to a special room, you know. And yeah, I feel special. Yeah, you're one of the very, very few that have made the four-timers <laughs> club. So <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Well, we have a lot of awesome topics to discuss today. But before we do, I'm going to need to wet my whistle and crack open a drink. I don't know about you. I don't know if they have drinks there where you're at. Oh, they do. And I'm going to walk you over here to the owner. Uh, here, Kevin, say hi. How's it going? Thanks for having us on. Hey, good to see you. This has been Kevin Richards' dream for quite a while to open in, open up an indoor pickleball club. And only about eight years. Yeah, <laughs> only about eight years. And uh, it's just wonderful here. So we're gonna get a beverage in your hand. Yeah, we're gonna get a beverage. I think uh, Joey might right, be Joey's pouring me uh, beer here. So. so you're telling me this place has pickleball and beer on tap? Yes, they do. In fact, let's see what we got. We got four on tap. We have a lot uh, in the refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, these are supporters of the club. Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of uh, support from local beer companies, and I'm going to have my favorite joy. I'm going to have a coin toss IPA, and this is brewed about two miles from my new farmhouse. Nice. Corner right up. 
Oh, here we go. So for everybody tuning in on the video version of the podcast, we have a nice pour happening here. We'll try to describe it for you that are anybody out there listening to the podcast. <laughs> Joey's one of our local hotshot young kid players coming from high-level soccer. I certified him as an IPTPA instructor about a month ago. So now he's teaching here a lot too. So, oh, oh very I'm nice. Looking forward to this all day, Joey. So, so we got you said coin toss IPA. Is that right? Yes. Oh, yeah. It sounds delicious. I love IPAs. What what can you describe about it? How how's it tasting? Well, it's it's kind of a middle of the road IPA. It's not super super hoppy or bitter. Just kind of in the you know step up from an amber IPA wise uh, or uh, bitterness wise. Very nice. Well, I'm going to reveal what I'll be drinking tonight. This is one from our friends at New Belgium Brewing. Lately, they've been providing us with free beer during the show, so we always love that. But this is something that uh, I went out and bought because I it just seemed perfect for the occasion. Final episode of the year. The holidays are here. So this one is called Holiday Ale. I've actually never had it before, so I'm trying it here for the first time ever. And it is described as having flavors of cranberry and spice and everything nice. <laughs> so I love the description there. But that's what I will be sipping on. So I'm going to pour my beer here. And then uh, is there uh, anything going on there that you want to talk about as I pour my beer? Well, we're going to walk out to the courts right now. Oh, perfect. Well, here you can say hi to... Now, this is just a coincidence, but Norm Davis is here today. Norm was inducted in this year's Hall of Fame. Nice. uh, As a contributor to the sport for so much that he's done for the sport of pickleball, especially in Arizona. He learned how to play in the Seattle area. Norm is, I know he doesn't mind if I tell, say this, he's almost 90 and he's out there playing his heart out today. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, I beat up too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome to meet you, Norm. Congratulations on the Hall of Fame induction. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to talk to you guys. Okay. See you, Norm. I'm going to walk out to the courts. All right. Well, I've got my beer poured here. So cheers, Steve. Cheers, everybody tuning in. Well, we got some great ladies playing right here. In fact, Walk over here, Tracy. And we have Tracy DeJager, a pro woman player, happened to be playing on court five today. This nice. Nicole, one of our top women players. Nice. And on the other side is Joy Lysing, another uh, pro woman player. I don't know how Mike got so lucky. Mike Quigley's on the other side getting to play at the girls today. But, <laughs> um, and we're going to, we have nine beautiful cushion courts here. Wow. Uh, this, this, uh, this kind of cushioning was designed in Oregon. We have, uh, Les Schwab crushed rubber tires that are the surface or the initial surface before they put the tennis court surface down. So it's just great. On this court right next to me is Hall of Fame player Enrique El Condor playing right there. He's, oh, nice. El Condor. El Condor's here and he's mentoring three other of our top young players today. This is great. This is awesome. This is the first time we've ever had somebody kind of like. Like, almost like a man on the street during the podcast. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I am I get to sit here right at the side watching these uh, players play. So I'm nice. here watching. Well, if something intense happens or if there's like a, an intense match point, feel free to, to show us and uh, we'll, we'll watch during the podcast and do some commentary. <laughs> that sounds good. So I took my first few sips of this holiday ale and it's very tasty. It, it definitely, I can taste the spice and it's seven and a half percent. So... I'm going to be feeling pretty good by the time I'm done, and I'll probably crack open a second one before we're done. So yeah. I'll be feeling real nice by the end of this episode. <laughs> With our great beer we have on tap here, I'll, my, I already kind of have planned out what my second beer will be. Very nice. Well, I say we get right to the main purpose of this episode. We want to talk about what we feel are 
the top 10 moments of 2022 in regards to pickleball. They could be just really big, impactful moments for the sport or big newsworthy moments. Things that really stood out to us as having a huge impact in the year 2022 for the sport of pickleball. Let's kick things right off with number 10, and that is USA Pickleball finally backing and becoming part of the original Pickleball Hall of Fame. And speaking of that, the last time you were on the show, Wes Gabrielson joined you, and we discussed the controversy going on with USA Pickleball wanting to start their own Pickleball Hall of Fame and have it separate. Um, Do you feel like that episode of the podcast had anything to do with USA Pickleball finally coming to their senses? (laughs) I feel that that was a very important uh event to do that i think i think it actually was the tipping point um and i'm so happy of what has happened because you we have full support with uh, usa pickleball we just fact i just i'm i do we just had a board meeting this week so the new people stew uh you know ceo of uh, usa pickleball stew is is involved heavily and it's just great again to feel like uh there's one Hall of Fame and that we have the support of USA Pickleball. Nice. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that because nobody I knew of anyway supported what USA Pickleball was doing. So I'm very glad that they, they came around and realized that it's better for the sport in general just to have one official Pickleball Hall of Fame. And uh, yeah, I just remember at the time, it just we, we couldn't believe what they were trying to do and because I've always been a huge supporter of USA Pickleball. But when that happened, it was like, man, I just... I can't support them wanting to start their own. So I'm, I'm very glad that things ended up turning around and working out for the best. Right. We've had, uh, let's see, 2017, 2018, 2019, 20, 21, 22, six years of uh, inductions now. And uh, this, this year uh, was at Nationals, and it was the players were um, Pat Kane, uh, legend player, if you've ever heard uh, the history of Pat Kane, unbelievable uh player that changed how the game was played um we had uh uh larry moon who's uh for a senior player done just about as much as you could possibly uh do in the sport of pickleball you already met uh uh, norm davis um today and um wes gabrielson who's one of our local players inducted into the hall of fame uh he's now the youngest member in the hall of fame at 37 he's kind of considered the old timer (laughs) because he's been playing serious pickleball for 10 years that's very cool i love to see it um so let's go ahead and move on to number nine on our list and that is the fact that more and more players and instructors are able to actually make pickleball their full-time occupation and i've been seeing that boom a lot this past year well a good example is right here at our club we have seven instructors and um we're pretty busy teaching instructors like Wes Gabrielson, who made a name for themselves as a player. For example, he quit his full-time teaching gig high school with great retirement and benefits to be full-time pickleball instructor. That wouldn't have happened a couple of years ago. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I know anybody that got into pickleball and tried to do it full-time, like just a couple of years ago, it was a big risk. It was a scary thing, and a lot of people needed to end up getting another job just to support themselves. But yeah, now there's a lot of people that are able to support themselves and their families strictly on pickleball, which I love to see. That's great. The the first uh, person that I ever knew that did did pickleball as a full-time living as an instructor was Prane. 
and he was in Seattle at that time. Uh, and he's continued to do that. He's probably the longest running uh, instructor who's made a living full time out of pickleball. Yeah, and you're referring to Prem Carnot, yes. a.k.a. the Pickleball Guru, right. who was actually, he was one of the very first guests we ever had on the Eddie and Webby podcast. And it was so cool at the time to have him on. Because um, Pickleball was still fairly new to Eddie and I when we got into this. And the fact that he was a, a number one bestselling author that had a book about Pickleball and that he had been doing training for so long, that was very cool to get him on early on in our podcasting career. So, that was very cool, and he is a great person to have involved in the sport. Absolutely. This will tie into some of the other things we're going to talk about tonight, but I bet Frame is teaching the sport way differently than he did seven years ago. At least I hope he is. Oh, sport, yeah. Right. That we'll be talking about that, too. All the changes we've seen in play in order to be a good competitor has drastically changed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've only been involved in pickleball in five years, and it's crazy how different the game is played now than when I first got into it. Like the stuff that my mentors taught me is so outdated now and not valid anymore. It's it's pretty wild. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting how how that kind of thing can change so drastically just due to the certain types of people getting involved in the sport and evolving the sport. But uh, that was a great one. Let's move on to number eight on our list. And this actually seems like ages ago now, but. The paddle controversy at the U.S. Open involving carbon paddles not meeting the standards in the middle of a tournament. That was pretty wild. Do you want to recap what happened there? So that was the U.S. Open, and uh, the play had been already going on for a couple of days. And I don't know if someone complained, you know, because you can challenge paddles now. I don't know if that was like the beginning of the challenge rule or someone challenged it or there was rumor that the carbon paddles were creating too much spin so they did on-site testing and they didn't pass yeah i just remember when that happened like if people were calling it paddle gate and it was just an unheard of type of thing that just in the middle of one of the biggest tournaments of the year all of a sudden a bunch of players were not able to use the paddle that they've been that they had been used to playing with and yeah that just that totally rocked the pickleball world and uh, I remember somebody posted a, a video of somebody testing a Yola paddle and saying, oh, I better not continue this test because I don't think it's going to pass. And then that became pretty controversial. So it was, that was a crazy time. And, you know, these companies, the paddle companies are pushing the limits that have been set because they have to. Uh, the players want the most extreme spin that they can get out of a paddle. And uh, so, you know, we're going to see this kind of thing happened. I do think the USA pickleball has a handle on, I talked to John um, Anderson at a nationals this year. He's one of the people that actually test paddles on site. I've known John for quite a while. He's one of the testers and uh, what they're doing now because of that uh, is the pros could have their paddles tested on site before the tournament starts. And then you would get a sticker on your paddle. And then I asked, well, what stops them from taking the sticker off, you know, and switching it to another paddle? Well, the stickers crumble. So they've got a system. You can't remove it and put it on another paddle. So okay. I do All think right. that's very good. And John said the, the funny thing about nationals this year, all the paddles we tested, none of them were illegal. And, you know, he goes, funny thing, huh? Meaning the players know when their paddles are legal and when they're not legal. And they are, we're not going to take a chance and bring illegal paddles to nationals. But as far as, at least 
the day that I talked to John, they had not tested one paddle that didn't meet standards. Interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting stuff there. Um, and I, I've heard that some people are even starting to buy those testers and like <laughs> test their own paddles, but I think they're very pricey to purchase one of those. But I think uh, people are starting to get those testers. That way they can test their own stuff. Yeah, they're $2,000. Um, uh, they work wow. like a, uh, like in the old days, my days, we played albums. And, you know, you had your needle that went across the uh, record. Record. Kids don't know what I'm talking oh, yeah. about. Actually, those are coming back. They're coming back, Steve. My daughters are hooked on records. They have their own records player, so they're they're hip right. again. <laughs> but that 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 device, it's a stylus that measures the friction, and uh, that's the kind of device that they use. And they're the on-site. I mean, if you had the portable ones, they're a couple grand. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they're, they'd be kind of expensive to carry one in your bag, but right. Um, I guess one thing we got to be careful about now is with those stickers, we got to make sure people don't make counterfeit stickers. <laughs> I can see that being the next thing, like the counterfeit approval stickers. Yeah. Well, speaking of, you know, uh, this is uh, along those topics. Now we have Diadam, uh, I might be pronouncing their company wrong, who's making a paddle that they know will not pass USA pickleball standards with holes in it. Um, yeah. And my, my feeling on this is that they planned it this way on purpose they'll have a lot of people want to try them if they are a quieter paddle like i think they will be because holes i think make I'll, i can tell you the history on that but make paddles quieter if they become a popular paddle for non-sanctioned events and they're the paddle you can use in communities where noise is an issue and if they don't create more spin and i don't think they will because of the holes uh I could see that that being a future paddle with lots of holes, not just the hole that uh, Selkirk, Mike, you know, this, I use Selkirk, but I, I don't use the one with the hole in it. But um, that was a controversy also with the paddle, first paddle with a hole in it when there are rules so you can't hold, have holes in your paddle. But I do think if people do fall in love with that paddle um, and it is a, solves the noise problem, that that paddle could be possibly approved paddle eventually. And I thought that was a very interesting idea on their part to knowingly make a paddle that is not approved. Um, but, I mean, it got a lot of buzz, that's for sure, because I saw a lot of people posting about it on social media. People were showing pictures of the paddle, and people had a lot of interest in it. But it just, yeah, it seemed very interesting to create a paddle and produce it that people can purchase knowing that it's not approved at this time. So The story on the reason holes are illegal, I told this story while the year I got inducted in 2019 when my dad had created the first composite paddle ProLite, he was also on the rules committee and we're talking the early rules committee 1985 86 and I said to dad this is USAPA but back then we were called the United States Amateur Pickleball Association um, I said dad why don't you say that it's illegal have holes in the paddle and the reason we we had the we had the only paddle that was so light and the only competitors we could have is if wooden paddles had holes so we said i said to dad why don't you say um holes aren't allowed because they create spin it doesn't create spin and and that rule has stuck around since then so that's since 1985 that's why i fully suspect uh, or expect that the rules would allow holes because it, you can make holes that do not create spin. Interesting. I'll definitely be curious to see if and when those become reg, uh, official paddles that are approved. That'll be 
Very interesting. So let's move on on our list coming in at number seven. Pro tennis players continuing to embrace pickleball with bigger names getting involved each year. And that's definitely been huge lately. And then did you see the Battle of the Pros exhibition match that recently happened between the team of pro pickleball players Ben Johns and Matt Wright versus the team of pro tennis players Jack Sock and Sam Query? Yeah, I watched a lot of uh, the pros this last this past weekend. I've always been interested to, to see pro tennis players play pickleball. And now with our most with our more spinnier paddles that we do have, it's it's it makes the transition that much easier for a pro tennis player to play pickleball than it did 10 years ago or even five years ago. They can do so much more of the things that they do on the tennis court on the pickleball court. There's still a big learning process to play doubles correctly, uh, but it is a quicker uh, process than it used to be. Yeah. And I've always said anybody that comes from a tennis background, I feel like they're immediately a good singles pickleball player. Um, But like you said, doubles Mm -hmm. is a different game. They got to change their strategy totally. But I do feel like even people with a tennis background, um, they usually do pick up and catch on real quickly when it comes to doubles as well. Not not as quickly as singles, but they definitely do come right. around. Uh, and that match that I was talking about, like it was, the first game they played, it was very close, and the tennis pros actually had match point before Ben and Matt did. But some say that Ben and Matt like weren't playing their hardest, and maybe they kind of took it easy on them a little bit. What do you think? Do you, th- do you think they were taking it easy? Or? I, I, can't, I can't see them taking it easy, but um, I can see Ben and Matt being a, a, a little bit in awe of being on the on a court with probably heroes of theirs at one time. I, at Nationals this year in the bronze medal match, I played against Vincent Van Patten. He's two years younger than me. When I was a kid, Vincent Van Patten was a child star, and then he became 25th ranked tennis player in the world at one time. And I couldn't help myself but think, I'm on the same court as, you know, I paid money to watch Vince Van Patten play pro tennis when I was, in, when I was a college tennis player. So I can't, I, I, I think, you know, you, it's hard to turn that off, that admiration that you have for those tennis players. I think so too. I, I, I totally agree with you. Something that's kind of cool, like with me, I have absolutely no tennis background. I never played tennis. I never really watched or cared about pro tennis, but pickleball has actually gotten me more interested in tennis like it, it makes me want to it's made me want to try playing tennis which i did a couple of years ago i tried playing i did horrible so i realized i should never step foot on a tennis court again but it made me like have even more respect for tennis players because it just it's such a big court it's so much harder to control the ball even the serve like i it was so hard for me to keep my serve in bounds or not hit the net so i i have more respect and appreciation for tennis players. I actually find myself watching pro tennis when it comes on TV and stuff. So thanks to pickleball, I actually do have an interest in tennis that I never used to have. Yeah, that's, I mean, the tennis channel is showing that right now by putting on lots of pickleball and, uh, you know, we're, we're interested. I'm still interested in tennis. I was a college tennis player. I was certified instructor by Vic Braden. Those are old timers out there who remember who Vic Braden was. Um, I live for tennis, but, um, I haven't touched my tennis racket now in uh, nearly 20 years because I just think the rallies and the strategies uh, that we have in pickleball just trump everything that happens uh, on a tennis court. That's, and I know that that's one thing you're seeing with uh, the ten, pro tennis players. I've had the good fortune of working with Jonathan Stark this last year. He was a Wimbledon champion with 
Martina Navratilova in 95 and uh, Byron Black in 94. Great doubles player. He absolutely loves pickleball. Um, I was hoping he's 52 years old. I was hoping to coach him enough to you know get him on the senior pro tour. But his living is teaching the elite junior tennis, and he's very busy still with tennis. But I, I'm pretty sure if gotcha. you asked him what would you rather go play, I think it'd be hands down he'd rather go play pickleball. Nice. And yeah, I've heard a comparison from a lot of people saying that pickleball is more like chess and tennis is more like checkers Like when you compare the two just because there's so much more cat and mouse strategy type stuff in pickleball compared to tennis. And that's why I don't want our paddles to get any spinnier than that. Because um, I don't, I want, I think we currently have the best balance ever in the game between dinking and driving and spinning. At one time there was a point where it was primarily dinking and that's not happening anymore because um, you can create a more offensive shot with today's paddles. And also, I mean, I'm not discounting the athletes that are getting involved also. I mean, we got, when you have uh, Query is 6'6", six, six, Isner's 6'9", six, I don't know how tall Sock is, but those people can create offense earlier than the average human because they're a great athlete, plus they have reach. And and there's one stat that I always see forgotten in pro pickleball and at, or at any level. The teams that hit balls out of the air first generally win the match. Teams that consistently are hitting balls out of the air first because they're creating offense first and taller people have the opportunities to do that. Especially when you're an athlete like, uh, it, it, you know, Isner or uh, uh, Query. Yeah, and that's something I've been working on this past year is trying to really hit the ball out of the air any chance I can instead of letting it bounce because I used to always let it bounce. Like I would take a step back just to let it bounce. Yeah, yeah, and you're getting you're getting pushed off the kitchen line when you do that. And when you can learn to hit volley dinks on everything that you can reach, as long as your balance isn't compromised, that's what I teach. Hit every ball out of the air you can, unless your balance is compromised. Then, okay, then you're going to hit a block dink. You're going to hit it. But I still don't want. I don't want people backing off that line. There's a couple little situations where I do have people back off the line, but that would be a whole other. That'd be a hour show. So nice. Well, uh, let's go on to number six on our list, and that is the continued dominance of Ben Johns and Annalie Waters in the pro pickleball world. And yeah, nobody can deny that Ben Johns and Annalie Waters are the absolute best in the game right now. I mean, both of them have been getting triple crowns left and right, which is just amazingly impressive. Like, I can't believe how many times there has been a championship Sunday where Ben and Annalie Waters were involved in three different matches on a championship Sunday and then end up winning all those matches. I mean, that that is just unbelievable and super impressive. It is. Yeah, I, I don't think that that would have ever been predicted uh, four years ago. It was about four years ago when Ben started to dominate. And then, uh, well, at Nat, uh, I think Annalie was 12 or 13 with, with her mom when they won nationals together the first time. Uh, I don't think we would have predicted what we're seeing. We probably, I, I would have been the first to say um, we're going to have a slew of, and we have had a slew of great players coming into the game. I, I want to make that clear. That's happening. But but nobody has knocked them off yet, which, um, you know, that shows how great, you know, they are very, they got, there's something special. I'll say that. Both of them are something very special. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, isn't Paris Todd the only person to beat 
Annalie Waters in singles this yeah. entire year. Yep. Yeah, that's just unheard of. And like I've said it before on the podcast, like I don't think anybody is ever going to top either of their records as far as men's pro and women's pros is when it comes to the amount of triple crowns. Like, cause I, I see in the future people focusing more on singles or doubles and not necessarily both. Like, do you, do you think some of the newer, like really high level tennis players that end up coming into pro pickleball, do you think there'll be people that will be able to top either of their records? I really don't. I, I, I would, if I was to make a prediction, I would say it's not going to be dominated for the years that they've, dominated because i think we're going to have so many great players coming in it's going to be hard it'll be you know like well in tennis you know we have uh like four dominant players but you don't have one dominant player winning everything um so i I think it would be really hard uh to have that happen and it is super hard to win singles and doubles because i know now me as a senior i've kind of bagged singles because i don't want to mess up my events for my partners uh, because you know right. singles you can yeah. get hurt more easily uh well, of course for seniors there's, a dip, there's an exhaustion level that's it's a different quote you know uh, equation part of that too but uh it's it is very grueling to to be in three finals on a, a final sunday oh absolutely like even for me like i'm no spring chicken anymore but i'm still kind of on the younger side in the pickleball world, but I'm in my 40s now. And if I sign up for singles in the tournament, I'm probably not going to sign up for doubles just for the same reason you were talking about. Like I, I don't want to screw up how I play in doubles with for my partners and stuff like that because I know singles can be super, super grueling. I love playing singles, but man, I just I don't know if my, my body can handle doing singles, doubles, and mixed doubles. I mean, it's just even... Even at my age, I don't think I, I, now, my body can handle it. The average person could enter a tournament and do that because you're not going to be in three finals. But they're in all yeah, that's now, true. They're that's in very, very true. Finals, yeah. <laughs> so that means they've played more yeah, matches than right. anybody. Oh yeah, I can't. I can't imagine the pro schedule doing that. Like it's just so grueling, and their days are so long. Like me. I'm used to going 0-2 out in the tournaments I do, so I probably yeah, would be totally yeah. fine signing up for all three tournaments because I'm only going to play like maybe six wow. games the entire tournament. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's very impressive what Ben Johns and Annalie Waters have been doing. It's going to be very interesting next year now that more people are going to be involved in PPA because Eddie and I have talked about this numerous times how PPA got kind of stale and boring this year just because it was the same groups of people and not not a big group of people. It was fun when the APP people would play in the PPA tournaments, but now with stuff going on, we're going to talk about this a little bit more later, but I, I feel like 2023 is definitely going to be a very interesting year in the pro world. We'll see a lot of different players and matchups and uh, people in the finals, so that's going to be very cool. But uh, let's go ahead and move on to number five on our list. This is something that I know is that you are very passionate about, Steve. And this is pickleball rule changes. Uh, rules are continuing to be modified. Uh, for example, the pre-spin serve is getting totally removed. Well, that was the big one. You know, that's really the big one that impacts more people than any of the other rule changes. Um, I, I think it was a good decision. I was hoping actually they would have just done that last year when they got rid of the uh spin serve where you could use the other hand it really does change things when you, with that spin serve now i know zane navratil is the one most affected 
as a uh, oh, I gotta get a, I gotta get another one. Maybe I'll have, I'll probably have Enrique <laughs> pour me a beer here soon. Um, you know, Zane had one of had great spin free spinsters. Got to make that clear. Some people that don't understand pickleball think that you can't spin the ball when you serve it. Of course, you can spin the ball. You just can't pre-spin the ball with your hand now. Or, uh, you know, and also, you know, I I actually used the uh, the pre-spin serve, the one that was illegal last year. I got fairly good at that one. I tried learning the snap one, and I got arthritis in my middle finger from you know, I don't know if that's just because I'm 67 years old, but this joint was starting to hurt. And then I started to think, well, if kids start learning that at 10 and play pickleball the rest of their life, that finger's going to be shot. So that, that's another reason. Uh, but, you know, the big reason, besides it does change the nature of the game where you could just run out a lot of points serving, um, we recommend court sizes be 30 by 60. And you could spin up that pre-spin, you could spin it into a wall. And so, you know, we'd have to start making courts bigger and bigger for that spin serve. Uh, I, I just think it was a good decision to get to get to get rid of that. I do too. I I totally agree because it, it it even made some of the pro matches not as fun to watch because if if people are getting points on the serve, it just oh, it just it makes the the matches boring. Like there's nothing more boring than a. a a serve point. I mean, I love getting them when I'm playing in a match, but when it comes to like watching pro tournaments and people struggling with Zane's serve, like the best players in the world weren't able to return it sometimes. And it was just like, man, that's like good for, good for Zane for like being, yeah, uh, being able to figure out how to do something different and, and do that. But it just, to me, it hurt the game and I, I didn't like it. So I, I definitely supported the remove the removal of the spin serve. <laughs> Yeah, and we can't forget to recognize Morgan Evans because he's the one that invented the finger snap one. That that's the well, no, that's but Morgan was the one that really came up with that first, as far as I know. So, uh, but that is gone. Um, you know, a lot, people don't realize it, but a lot of the points Zane won wasn't because he won them outright, but right from the get go he was building that point in his favor. People don't take that into account that. He was actually building the point oftentimes. He wasn't winning it outright, but it was building the point. It'll be interesting to see how Zane does with, without it. He's not a tall person. And so his waist is right about net height. Uh, Jade Davillier's waist is about 16 inches higher than the net. Um, this is why my, you know, I created the drop serve. It's, that's a rule because of me. Um, fighting for that for for about seven years, I feel strongly, very strongly, especially after what just recently happened and it's going to continue to happen, that we should get rid of the volley, sir. We we keep talking about tall people dominating. We're afraid that, you know, what are we going to do about that? I don't want any of the court dimensions to ever, ever change. But right now we have uh, players like Jay who can be very aggressive with a serve serving almost downward because their waist is higher than the net. If Jay dropped the ball, it bounces right about net height or an inch below. Uh, that would be one equalizer. I know that uh, Zane thinks that that's what should happen now because he lost his advantage on his serve. Right. And, um, now, who has the advantage? 
the tall players. Yeah. And the other thing is, of course, it's never going to ever go away that you're going to have, oh, is that serve legal or not? Nobody knows where your waist is. Nobody knows if you have a one degree upward motion compared to a one degree downward motion. Yep. Uh, you can't possibly see it. Um, even Don Stanley said there's so much judgment involved with the volley serve that it's really hard to make that call. It is not hard to make a judgment call on a drop serve. Yep. And when I first created that, everybody said, oh, it's going to be the big serve. All the pros are going to use it. It's going to you guys even on your show said that, oh, now that's just they're going to spin it off the court. Well, even on the circuit where the pros could use it, none of them use it because it is not an advantage. I said that yep. from the beginning. And uh, so I feel very, very strongly that if we want to pull the Band-Aid off and get rid of this issue that we see on the pickleball forum and on the kitchen, is this serve legal? Is this serve legal? Well, I don't know. I can't tell. Um, we could fix that in a heartbeat with only a drop. And then here's here's the other question. Why does the PPA not allow the drop serve? So, you know, I, at the beginning, they said they wanted to see what the APP was going to do with it. Well, they allowed none of the pros used it because right. it's not an advantage. So <laughs> it's the opposite of what, you know, so there's no reason PPA shouldn't allow it because it is not an advantage. Well, and just to clarify, I was always a supporter of the drop serve. Right. Eddie, on the other hand, he was one of the people that said, oh, this is going to be a weapon. People are going to just destroy people with their serve due to this weapon that they have with the drop serve. And I was like, man, I don't know. I don't see it because I, I, I practiced with it. I played against people that used it, and nobody ever was able to serve to me with an unstoppable serve. So I was always a big supporter of it, and I, I liked the addition of it. But I just I, it cracks me up looking back now. In fact, I even responded to a, a, message, a, a post on, a, on social media recently in the pickleball forum because somebody brought up the fact of what if we made the drop serve like the serve, like you had to do a drop serve. To be honest, it, it's probably not popular at the moment, but... I totally agree. I think it would be great. I don't currently use the drop serve, but I absolutely agree with how that would be a great equalizer. It would get rid of serve advantages. So I, I would be totally for that being the way to serve. I know it's not going to be popular at first. Uh, there's going to be a lot of haters, but um, the thing that I commented on about that is I totally understand that possibly becoming a thing. And I also said like it cracks me up like thinking about when that's when that rule first got implemented how so many people were like oh this is going to be a weapon this is going to change the game of pickleball and people are not going to be able to return serves because of this drop serve no it never and happened that i never had all happened. these never. people uh <laughs> facebook friends say oh uh i can i can ace people over and over well send me a video and they show me one clip they don't show that it's a risk reward serve what they were doing so they hit four out hit yeah. one winner you know, I mean, it's a risk. You can do a risk reward shot on a volley serve the same way. Uh, so, uh, yeah, now, as a teacher here, we teach beginners every weekend, uh, uh, like two classes of beginner groups every weekend, 16 beginners. And the easiest way to teach a beginner to serve is the drop serve. And not only that, I'm teaching them a nice forehand at the same time. All good. Almost all the pros their their volley serve is their forehand. You know, they, well, it's not an underhand motion. I used to hear that over and over and over. Underhand is defined as an upward motion, which is only need to be one degree. That's their ground stroke, top spin ground stroke. 
And so I can not only teach them a drop serve, but I can teach them a nice forehand at the same time. Plus, referees don't have to second guess if, you know, if this serve is legal or not legal. So it was, what was it about three weeks ago when Jay Devilliers served in the PPA and the, the rep said illegal serve and it was a do-over and he hit it out. But it was still a do, still a do that. So right. that's probably going to change that rule, I imagine. But um, and not only that, how many serves did he serve from above the waist before that one was called? Oh, yeah. Somebody made a compilation and there were there were numerous. And yeah, I, I couldn't believe that that those, the one that he hit out was a do over like that just made no sense to me. So the reason people don't want uh, to go to the uh, drop serve only people hate change it's a natural human instinct they don't like change and pickleball players yep. since most you know we still have a big senior population and i and i'm a senior but seniors tend to be the worst about change now um there's people i respect in the pickleball world highly who hate the drop serve and um i won't mention names because they're pretty well known players most of them are seniors who you know it Awful. It's the worst thing to ever happen to pickleball. Well, nothing horrible has happened with introducing the drop serve, except lots of beginners can serve the first day they play, and referees are able to judge if a match is legal or not. Now, I serve with a volley serve and a drop serve. I like to mix it up. Um, but the reason I'm mixing it up is because sometimes probably I'm serving with an illegal volley serve, too. The, the biggest... Uh, a legal thing that good players do on a volley serve is they serve with backspin on a driving, especially a backhand serve. They're coming down on the ball, probably four or five degrees. And then right after impact, they come up and they fool every rep. It's just like a table tennis player. When they serve, you think they got backspin and they got topspin. You can fool a ref just like you can fool an opponent in table tennis. Not hard, uh, but you can't fool yep. anybody. If we do a drop serve, who cares? Hit topspin, hit backspin, hit sidespin. You're coming from such a low area that it's an equalizer. You can tell I am passionate about that rule. <laughs> For sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And one more thing I want to talk about, a specific thing that happened this year that potentially could change a rule. And I don't want to talk about this too much because it's been talked about way too much already. But Catherine dropping her partner the night before nationals, do you think that will cause USA Pickleball to fine-tune or change their rules as far as how that all works? Yes, I think that's going to make them change that rule. Uh, yeah, I, I. I hope so. <laughs> I definitely hope so. I I can't imagine. I mean, uh, uh, the average person uh, hearing about that couldn't believe it. You can do that, you know? They what? You know? So, and that's how rules get changed when controversies happen. So, what's going to happen when there's an illegal serve a foot above the waist and the major league pickleball team wins a hundred thousand dollars? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Once money comes into play, big money like that, like, yeah, things are definitely going to get fine-tuned fine because of Major League Pickleball. I can guarantee that. <laughs> or we become a wagering sport like everybody's talking about, and you can't tell if the serve is legal or not. In every sport, you try to get rid of uh, subjectivity. You can't get rid of it 100%. Mm -hmm. Never. Oh, yeah. But get rid of everything you can get rid of and this is a simple simple fix so i'm going back to the drop serve should be the only serve but you know the, the inventors 
did not want the serve to be aggressive. The reason they couldn't do a drop serve, I've played on that original court a couple of times. You know, that's my backyard from where I grew up, and I teach in Bainbridge Island every summer. We go to that court just to, just to go there. And Scott Stover owns it, who I played in the world's first pickleball championships in the finals and doubles. He bought that from Joel Pritchard. He learned on that court. The court is so bad and rocky. If you do a drop serve, you're lucky if it, you know, go anywhere. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've got to go there sometime. I know I've seen like how uneven the ground is and, and stuff like that, but it's it's just such a historic thing. And pickleball means so much to me and so many people in this country that it's right. someplace I definitely need to visit at some point. That's someplace that I hope is always preserved. Oh, yeah. yeah. They have a plaque there. It is a, a historical site for Bainbridge Island. I was just going to ask if, if it has the historic plate yet, so that's good to hear. I like that. Speaking of that, pick, pickleball last year, this could be uh, number 11. It's, it's high for me, but pickleball became the official sport of Washington State this year. And uh, I went to that I went to that bill signing, and I had Governor Inslee sign one of my dad's paddles, and uh, that'll be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Very cool to see. But uh, let's move on to number four on our list. And that is Major League Pickleball and PPA joining forces. That was huge. I did not see that coming when it happened because as of last year or early this year, PPA and Major League Pickleball were butting heads hardcore. It was like the battle of the billionaires. They couldn't come to terms or agreements and they just were against each other. And Major League Pickleball and APP seemed to have a great relationship going. So when I heard that Major League Pickleball and PPA were joining forces, that surprised me, but I think it's going to be great for the sport. I feel bad for APP, but... Well, I, I feel about the same way you do. I mean, we've seen this in other sports, right? I mean, a, I was around in the ABA basketball years, you know, so we had ABA, NBA. Um, ABA became part of the NBA. At least some of the teams did. There's probably many sports that have, have done similar things in a growth growing sports like that where you have offshoots and then competitors joining forces. So I, I think if we can make as much of that happen in the world of pickleball, it's like happened with the hall of fame, uh, joining forces and working together. It's going to be better for the sport. Yeah, I totally agree. Cause Eddie and I have talked about this in the past numerous times, but the fact that there was such division between the PPA and the APP, it really did hurt the sport of pickleball because you didn't have all the best players at the same events and that's why the first Major League Pickleball I thought was so amazing and great because you did have the best of the best all together. I mean, it was a totally different format. It was a team type event as opposed to like a regular tournament. But just like everything about the first Major League Pickleball, I absolutely loved. And I still think the first one was the best one so far. But I I think 2023 potentially could be the best depending how, on how they do it. Like I'm just, I'm worried that like it's going to become too frequent and not be as special as it was, but we'll, that remains to be seen. I'm not going to say that until I see it, because who knows, maybe it'll be more fun than ever. Um, but just when all the best players in pickleball are at the same events, it just makes it so much more entertaining, so much more interesting. That's why I liked Nationals this year so much, because it mm -hmm. had a lot of both PPA and APP players. Um, it's just, yeah, when, when all of the best players are playing and competing it makes it way better than just when a select group of contracted PPA players are together and it's the same people over and over again. Agreed. But yeah, that's I'm definitely very excited for 2023 in regards to Major League Pickleball and the union of PPA. Looking forward to seeing how that goes. 
Uh, but let's go to number three on our list, and that is new pickleball courts and facilities popping up all over the country. And I think that is huge for the sport of pickleball. And like you said, you're, you're at one of those places right now. Yeah, I'm going to turn my video, my computer around here, and I'll, I'll kind of do, do a walkthrough of, the, of our club. So uh, here's uh, some top ladies playing. And uh, here well, you already saw Tracy. Though we have three, six courts in a row, and then we have three courts in the back. Tracy, how do you like teaching here? Oh, love it. Yeah, we're, Blast, we're having yeah. a good time. We get to teach some classes together. I'm going to keep walking through. And for those of you listening on the audio podcast, Steve is at a beautiful facility here. We haven't said hi to Joy yet. Joy Leising, many time national champion. I always point out that I did coach her to win one of her national championships. So <laughs> thanks, Steve. Yeah, you're welcome. Bye. She kicks my butt every time I'm on the court with her. So. <laughs> uh, walking over here. Beautiful courts, beautiful courts here. Oh, we got some other top players right here. Man, I am very jealous of this location. This is such a cool looking place. This is our acronym, and this has been, I think, an I your acronym for quite a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's actually on the walls here. I don't want to give you whiplash or your viewers whiplash, but we have it up on the walls here. Rex stands for recreate, exercise, compete, and socialize. Four critical human experiences that we try to deliver in one affordable hour. So pickleball is a flagship sport. It's not the only thing that we do here, but it is the most prominent. Um, it's the one that's obviously on a complete rocket ship trajectory. But we do soccer, tennis, and a little bit of cornhole, some other stuff as well. I'm all about having non-traditional hybrid sports where people can recreate, have fun. Um, there's not bodies colliding like you would have in traditional sports. And uh, I was reintroduced to pickleball about eight years ago uh, through Columbia River Pickleball Club. That's when I met Steve and uh, became friends with Steve and Paul Porch, Mike Wolf, some other guys in the local area who were instrumental in getting pickleball going in this market. And uh, just realized at that time that there was demand for people to have a social sporting experience. And that's when I started building this vision, which you see now today here. That's awesome. I love it, man. I can't wait to come visit there sometime. We'd love to have uh, the Eddie, Eddie and Webby podcast here at any time. You guys can make it. Um, we'll, I'm working towards having like a podcast uh, set up here as well. So, Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. We'll have some kind of studio space for that. That's in the next version of what we're doing. But uh, in the meantime, um, you know, if Steve can do the technology piece, then, <laughs> you know, come on. Anybody can do it. Right. right? No, seriously, this has been one of the coolest episodes so far, just like with Steve walking around and stuff like that. This has been like the most mobile man on the street type of podcast we've done so far. I love it. When you have three Hall of Famers walking around, and <laughs> that was not planned. Obviously, Steve, it was planned to be here today, but Enrique, Norm, Wes Gabrielson um, is the other now Oregon resident who's in the Pickleball Hall of Fame. And Steve, did you show? Uh, oh no, I have on the wall. And you want to tell? So me? you know, the club did a very special, nice thing for Enrique and myself last summer, and it was uh, when Seymour uh, was in town. We taught a, a teach and teacher workshop, and you see that paddle on the wall here? Yeah. So that's dedicated for us being in the Hall of Fame, right there. Nice. And here's very cool. Here's an. Here is El Condor standing next to me, and we have the paddle right in the middle. How you doing? Great. Good to see you. Where's your beer? Oh, right here. Cheers. Enrique has named a new shot. Oh, really? 
Yeah, would you explain it to us, Enrique? Because yeah. yeah. it happened today. In fact, I witnessed it. Yeah. Yeah, so go ahead and explain. So you got a picture. Steve is there right now in front of me. So he's my um, opponent. So he's on that side of the net, right? Okay. So whether it's him or his or his partner um, hits a nice shot. So I go around the post with my left, which I think it's a winner, but he gives me a really good return. He actually defending the, defending ATP. the ATP. Okay, yep. That I just hit with the left hand. He defends the ATP good, and I come around from from doing the left around the post, and then I put the ball away and finish the point with the right. Same thing on the other side, around the around the post, on the right side. It's well defended. Come inside, put the ball away with the left hand. So exactly the opposite. And what do you call that? What do you call that shot, Enrique? The cookie monster. <laughs> the cookie monster. I like it. it. Officially is the cookie monster. Steven Peranto, this Hall of Famer, happened to be walking by when I executed that shot. Isn't that right? I, yeah. I, I saw it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Enrique was the first ambidextrous national champion. He used that in two singles national championships because of that left and right ambidextrous thing going on. It so, made his singles court quite so, a bit smaller. So talking to you, Joe and to this stud right here, um, you have to hit it with the left, finish it with the right on either side. I felt side. that firsthand today. Firsthand. <laughs> firsthand. I was the one that the cookie monster. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. The cookie monster, the new shot invading pickleball. <laughs> we just coined a new shot at, uh, on the Eddie and Webby dinking around show. So, I love it. I always tried to create a, a, a name for a shot too. I, you know, when the ball goes super, super high and you get in the no, you get in the kitchen because you know it's going to bounce high. Yeah, I create. I called it the uh, mini me. I, in fact, I wrote an article in Pickleball Magazine showing that shot where you then you get down really low and hit an overhead because it bounces. Yeah. Right oh yeah. And so I called that the mini beam, but I and just didn't catch on. So <laughs> I like it. I love the movie Austin Powers, and uh, I love the Mini Me character. So to me, it's a it's awesome. But maybe we should maybe maybe we can revive it. We'll try and uh, I'll try and do it in videos I do, and maybe we can get it revived. <laughs> We're gonna have a beer together here. So oh, nice. Realize Enrique and I have been pickleball buddies going on about thirty years. So we were he, awesome. He was just a young, 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 young guy. You know, at the, just barely out of high school. Uh, in those days and I had a pickleball court in my yard and Ricky had come over and play. He didn't have the uh, left-handed thing going on. I could beat him. Then we had our, <laughs> our, basically our state championships and unbeknownst to me, he had been practicing with his left hand and uh, edged me out in that final. I, I remember I had match point. You remember that? Yeah. That was a while ago. That was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> What's everybody drinking? So I'm drinking Holiday Ale from New Belgium Brewing. I figured that was a, it's a perfect time to drink something called Holiday Ale. That sounds really good. New Belgium, uh, New Belgium is that the is that like the ones that make uh, Fat Tire? Yep. That's cool. Yep, that's them. Yeah, and they're getting involved in pickleball too. They've been supporting some local tournaments here in Michigan, and they're getting more and more involved in pickleball. So Eddie and I are huge supporters of New Belgium Brewing. As you should be. Kevin, what am I drinking? That is a coin toss IPA. 
coin toss IPA. That that means you cannot go wrong with this. Coin toss That's right. is 50-50. You're going to win either way. <laughs> what you're drinking, Steve? I'm drink well, I'm drinking the same. That's my same? favorite here. Yeah. Coin toss. Yeah. yeah. We go 50-50, a high yeah. percentage beer. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, cheers guys. This cheers. is awesome. Yeah. I love the fact that I'm drinking with two Pickleball Hall of Famers. This is amazing. So, where are we at on the list so far here? Uh, so we're getting Close to the end, we are on number two, and number two on our list is the massive influx of celebrities getting involved in the sport of pickleball. Yeah, you know, at the beginning, I would, I would go, I'd tell my daughter, uh, uh, George Clooney's playing pickleball, and she go, Oh no, he isn't, and then I'd send her the link, and she goes, Oh okay, and now she's, you know, now she has more respect for my sport, but now I've just lost track of the numbers of celebrities that have embraced our sport. Yeah, well, I can't, you know, I was trying to, at first, I could memorize all of them. But now there's so many, I've just lost track. And I think, I think it's wonderful. I do too. And the same here, like when I, when I would talk to people at work about pickleball, I had my, my list of celebrities that played pickleball right. that I would tell them like, oh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio plays. And I just, I would, I would list all the people I could think of. And they they were like, oh, wow, maybe it is pretty cool. Like I, it sounds dumb, but maybe, maybe if they play, maybe it right. is cool. <laughs> but yeah, now I definitely cannot keep track of all the yeah, celebrities. I, yeah, now. I can't keep track anymore. So, you know, speaking of celebrities that play pickleball, um, see Jamie Foxx is playing. Oh yeah. And, and he's good and he's good. And we have a good friend here, Jeff Gorham, who played with him a couple months back and had some really fun stories about being on the court with him. In California? Or where? Yeah, California. Oh, but my massive dream would be that Paul McCartney starts pickleball and I get to coach Paul McCartney and pickleball. I mean, that would be like, that would just like end up, just kill me right now. I, yeah. If I got to, uh, you know, a big celebrity like that, that I've, you know, uh, been following my entire life gets involved in pickleball and uh, that would be just so wonderful to be on the court with someone like that so but and that's happening I mean that's happening to uh, instructors and, and you know again when we talk about being in awe with the people you're on the court with when we talk about Ben and Matt being on the court with star tennis players um, you know when I was a kid uh, yeah being on the court if I got to be on the court with Arthur Ashe or that or McEnroe and the way things are going now, I could be on the court with McEnroe and pickleball. I mean, I know he's playing. Yeah. I mean, the, and Chris Everett, I heard, is playing now too. Um, that's my that's my age group. Navratilova is my age. Um, so these people are playing pickleball. But to to be on the court with with one of these celebrities that you idolized no. your okay. entire life. So okay. well, speaking of that, like I I actually was on the same pickleball court. Well, same location as two of my high school sport idols and that that was two of the Detroit Red Wings two people that were part of Stanley Cup winning Detroit Red Wings teams Chris Draper and Dan Cleary I was in the same location at the same time playing pickleball I've actually played pickleball against Dan Cleary before we did a, a clinic a Riley Newman clinic clinic together and part of the clinic was a little mini tournament and my team played against Dan Cleary's team so I mean just that right there was such an amazing moment in my life like a, a huge life highlight and then Chris Draper and Dan Cleary were on our podcast before and all because of pickleball. Right. So, I mean, that's amazing. And of all the pickleball celebrities that play right now, uh, you mentioned Jamie Foxx. I feel like he's the one that I would like to play with the most of the ones that I know currently play pickleball, just because I've heard he's so down to earth. I've been a huge fan of his my whole life pretty much. 
and uh, and he's a great player. So yeah, I, th- I feel like he's the one that at, at the moment is at the very top of my bucket list to try to get. On I the have a with. feeling you'll probably meet that bucket list because uh, he is playing a lot. You'll probably be in a location that he's playing, and uh, I'm sure he'd love to get on the court with you. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing the people we meet in the sport. I wonder. Oh, for I sure. wonder if any of the original bad boys from Detroit might play pickleball nowadays. Oh, I I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't you doubt it. I'd yeah. love to get on the court with Isaiah yeah. Thomas or even uh, Dennis Rodman. Yeah, Dennis Rodman, <laughs> if uh, Carmen Electra lets him. Uh, sure they moved on from there. But who else did we have back then? Uh, Joe Dumars. Uh, yep, Joe Dumars, Bill Lambeer. He was that mean center yeah. that yeah. Yeah. was always looking for fights. Yeah, Vinny Johnson, yeah. man, I that was yeah, I loved that. That was my favorite era of basketball. The for microwave sure. Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So you mentioned Paul McCartney. I feel like the the equivalent of that for me of somebody that I don't know that plays pickleball, but an absolute dream that if he does and I got to play with, that would be Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> oh, I love. Well, you and I both do music parodies. That's right. Yeah. So. Uh, how did you like his? Uh, but speaking of Weird Al, how did you like his latest uh, movie that came out on? Uh, oh, the biopic, the Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. I thought it I was brilliant. It, too, yeah. it was so so good. Yeah, well, he he is brilliant. So uh, he was valedictorian of his high school when he was he graduated his senior year when he was sixteen. Yeah, valedictorian. Yeah. Uh, he is a genius. But uh, yeah, that would be a that would be a great one to play with. He should be. Hey, Enrique, he might be able to play with his, uh, his switch hands because he plays accordion. He's probably ambidextrous like you. So yeah. we could probably uh, do that. Yeah. He seems like the type that would play pickleball, too. I feel like he I feel like he plays. If he doesn't play and he tried it, I'm sure he would love it. But, yeah, that, that for me, that's the thing that if I got to play pickleball with Weird Al, I would die a very happy man. <laughs> yeah, well, so you know how I'm – you know, and, the, and when I say Paul McCartney, you know, he is kind of a fitness guy. Well, not kind of. He's a, they got, I, I'm, I see videos of him doing headstands, yoga headstands at 80 years old. Oh, wow. You know, nice. and so he's really into fitness and balance and well, he has to be just to do a three hour concerts. Uh, so I think pickleball would be perfect for his family. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. But all right. I think it's time for number one. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a generic thing, but I mean, it's just, it's huge. We've already talked about it a bit today, but I think we can elaborate a bit more. But just the the biggest thing in 2022, I think, is the overall popularity and growth of pickleball has exploded more than ever with no end in sight. And I feel like like when you first started playing competitive pickleball, I know you have told us before you started playing in 1974. Did you ever think the sport would reach the level that it's currently at? No way. I would have bet the farm, nothing. Now, we all loved it and knew it was a great, great sport. Um, but all our friends thought we were crazy um, that we were playing this game. We could only play in gymnasiums here in the Northwest. There were no other places to play. Uh, no, I, I mean, there. Were, when I was playing tournaments in the late 70s, early 80s, middle 80s, when we first formed USAPA, we had about 50 total tournament players in the world. And I was, I was one of the young guys. So many of those people are dead now um, that... I, I played with it in that time period. Uh, so there, yeah, there'd be no way we could have never seen this coming. No way. I mean, the inventors never saw this coming. 
Well, it's 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 one of those things where if you think about it, um, it really hasn't been that many years ago. If you put your memory on rewind, where you would go places and people say pickleball. Oh right. Oh no. Pickleball. Right. What is that? Right. Right. Now we're we're beyond that, but it hasn't been that long ago that no. we kind of got. No. Well. Like I said before, I, I just got involved in pickleball in five years ago, and I would say even as recent as three or even two years ago, if I were to talk to anybody that I know outside of, outside of my group of pickleball friends about pickleball, at least 90% of them would say they've never heard of it before. They would think it's something I'm making up, and it would be extremely rare and exciting to find somebody that actually had heard of pickleball just two or three years ago. So just in the last few years, it's amazing how much has changed. And I, even five years ago, when I first got into it, I never would have thought it would reach the level that it's at right now because of everything that's happened just this year alone. I, so my dad passed away right before uh, COVID. In, fa- in fact, I got to tell dad right when he was, he was dying that I was going to go into the hall of fame with him. And, and when I think I, I, I constantly think about this, God, I wish I dad could see what's happened since COVID. Most all of my students here at Rex, all these classes we're teaching, we always introduce ourselves. We have them introduce themselves and tell us about when they started playing. Virtually all of them have started during COVID and and most of those during this last year. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, I feel like that's like it's it's hard to say that anything is good because of COVID, but I do feel like because of COVID, that's why pickleball grew as much as it did just the past couple oh. of years. Cause so many people that I talked to, they were like, Oh, well during COVID so-and-so taught me about this game, or I was looking for something to do during COVID that seemed safe outdoors and, and pickleball was it. So like because of COVID, like I feel like if COVID didn't happen, we pickleball wouldn't be as far as it is right now. Do you, would you agree with that? Or do you I, think I, that's... Think, I think you're right, except I do think it would have just delayed its popularity. Um, the... Yeah. The big, big, big factor is now there are courts for people to try this sport out. And then the other big, big factor is you can't watch TV all day without hearing about pickleball. And right. so and that's, these, what, that's yeah. where the celebrities. I, yes. In. That's why we talked they, about that. That's why that was really yeah. important is yeah. now people are, they hear, you know, when you hear the a word pickleball five times in a week, on watching the Jeopardy game and it's a Jeopardy question. You're watching Jimmy Kimmel and he's getting, Wheel of Fortune. It's been on Wheel of Fortune recently. People, it gets it gets in their brain. They go, I got, I, I think I should try that sport. Yeah, and and that's what what's happened. And then when they try it, a high percentage get hooked. We all, yep. Again, us original fifty players from the seventies, <laughs> we knew that. Right. But where are you going after you show them? Where are they going to play? There's nowhere to play. So now that we have places to play, you know, and here we are at Rex where we have full, by the way, these courts are filled all the time now, nine, nine courts. And I would say I'm looking out here right now in the window. Most all of these players have learned in the last year. Wow. That's awesome. Right. That is so cool. I love it. So I've got some ideas about what are we going to talk about a year from now? What are we going to say is the future? What's, what's going to be, because I've got some ideas, but I mean, I mean, this year has probably been, you know, this was this was actually a great show for you to have because I think 
it was probably the biggest impactful year of pickleball. Oh, I think so too, for sure. Like the, in the five years I've been involved, it's absolutely been the most impactful year, no doubt. But, uh, oh man, thinking ahead, like what, what is next, man, that's, I don't know. Like lately things have been changing so rapidly in the sport of pickleball. It's just, it's so hard to predict what a year from now is going to look like, but uh, I'd love to hear what you have in mind. (laughs) It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I mean, shift shifting gears for just a split second have you ever played um on any of the of the chicken and pickle places throughout i haven't yet i want to i want to go there so bad i haven't yet but i definitely plan on doing so obviously that's uh great for pickleball and it's growing a lot um i don't know how many chicken and pickle facilities there are now um they're spreading around different states oklahoma city has one Texas has two or three, but um, the reason why I bring that up is when the very first chicken and pickle opened in West uh, Kansas City, I was the one that went there to do the grand opening um, for the very first chicken and pickle. So I oh, nice. Yeah, so I did a clinic with, with, with Andy, with, Andy Ginch, you with, know, was doing that. Yeah. And uh, you went with Tony Tolan. With, yeah, another friend of ours yeah. from here, Tony, went um, and we did a, a clinic. And when we first went, the nice restaurant they, that they have, probably at Old Chicken and Pickles, was just a pile of dirt. Nothing was done yet except the courts were, were just done when we first went to the, the first one. Um, but I met the guys, the, the, the owners, and I could tell they were going to do good things because um, they're very knowledgeable in the food industry. So they have a really nice menu of good food, good beer. So I'm like, good food, good beer, and pickleball. You can't go wrong with that. <laughs> right. Yeah, can't ask for anything more. You could, you could live there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we had a great time um, after the the grand opening uh, clinic that we did. Um, then Lucy and Matt came and uh, Jack came from um, from their town. Nobody knew Matt and Lucy back then. They hadn't done anything in Pickleball yet. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they were just starting out. They, you know, they weren't sponsored by anybody. Uh, pretty much people were just finding out who they were. Um, but they hadn't done anything in pickleball yet, so it was it was a nice memory to remember um, uh, playing with them and and just going to um, North Kansas City to that chicken and pickle for the very first time. I think every city in the country should have a chicken and pickle for sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> well, if they won't have that, they will have a lookalike coffee because that's that right. That is what's yeah. coming. Yeah, and, th- and that was like they they got started like the first chicken and pickle opened before it re- before pickleball re- like really exploded. So I mean, they just like they they were very innovative in the world of pickleball, and I love it. I mean, they were taking a chance. That was yeah. really yeah. You know, we talk about what's going to be the new thing next year. There's probably twenty Matt and Lucy's that we'll be introduced to next year. Uh, that are on that same path. Right. That are probably both, you know, Matt and Lucy are coming from high, high, high level pickle tennis. Yeah. Talking, you know, borderline. 
can you make it as a pro tennis player as a living and or pickleball player? So and that that's what's going to be exciting is to see you know how how are the Sam Queries going to do? How are the uh, Isner's going to do? How or will there be a person like Matt Lucy who coming from super high level college tennis, but they have just a little bit of a knack for pickleball. Right. Really, yeah. you know, our our star, you know, with besides Enrique was West Gabrielson and is West Gabrielson. He was a small college tennis player like me. In fact, we played the same I'm way older, but the same league. Uh he was a touch tennis player, feels, not a power player. He was a better pickleball player very quickly than he was a tennis player. There's going to be a whole bunch of those people who were not well-known tennis players. They were very, very, very good, but they have a knack for pickleball. Those people are right. going to be in the game, and they're going to make a name for themselves in the world of pickleball. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One question I have for you, though, like, do you think there will ever be another Lee and Anna Lee Waters type, the the mother and daughter duo that have been so dominant like they have? Because that, to me, I feel like that's that's a rarity. I don't remember ever seeing in sports anything like that before. Now, I, I, I can't see that happening. You know, they did it at the right time uh, and incredible talent. No, I can't. I can't see that for one thing. Our sport now, with the spinnier paddles, and the, you know, there's way more athleticism. It's probably going to be very, very hard to be a pro pickleball player past the age of forty. It's like tennis, and so that's going to be really hard for a mother, daughter, father, son to win a national championship in the future. I think they'll probably eventually be in the Hall of Fame just for that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Because I no, I don't see that in the future. I absolutely think that Lee and Annalise should like will eventually become Hall of Famers because I mean just the mother daughter dynamic, and then the fact that they changed the sport of pickleball. I mean the way that they play, they were constantly told, "Oh, like you're not going to go far with that style of play. Like you need to be able to have a slow game and dink." And you guys, you step back from the line too far, and you're too aggressive too often. And now we see like that's the, their style of play is how most people play now. <laughs> Very true and, and, and all great points. Um, I remember going to a tournament in um, North Carolina. Uh, this was at the campus of uh, Wake Forest University. And I got to play against them in mixed doubles. Obviously, each one had a partner. Uh, they had two partners from Florida. And I got to play against both of them. Um, they were fairly new. Um, that was the only time I can say that I beat Annalie Waters. <laughs> and then I remember that well because if pretty, I... If pretty I, good, Enrique. You beat an 11-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was just going to ask, how old was she at the time? 11 or 10? <laughs> yeah. And I tell you what, it was it was a really close match. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then if we beat them, guess who was waiting? The mom. When we, we got past the daughter, we had to play the mom. And um, and they were fairly new. Um, I don't know. A year or two later, um, uh, one of our better players here, who's who's playing there now, uh, Joy. Joy and I played at nationals, and we um, we got that was the second and only time I ever faced uh, the mom, Mrs. Waters. 
Um, and, um, and we played them really well. We played them strong. They ended up beating us um, because for some reason we started playing a power game, which she likes. Right. You got sucked into their game. Yep. Yeah. We needed to play soft. Um, and we did not do that enough to win that game. But, but uh, you know, that's, that's a very interesting point. Um, and the reason why that, that's, I find that very interesting and, and, and to add to what you said, the power game and what they brought um, has elevated, in my opinion, has elevated women's doubles, women's pickleball. But if you think about this, and I tell people, um, for as good as they are, in mixed doubles, for a, quite a while, they have had really strong partners. And I'm talking about before... Um, before Annalise started playing with Ben Johns, they already had good partners, but they were not very successful in mixed doubles. And that to me is one of the differences between mixed and women's doubles. What they could do and get away with in women's doubles, they could not, in, in my opinion, still cannot in mixed doubles. Um, so they had to learn to play soft, and I believe that they have now. But before, they were trying to play and do what works in women's doubles, but they just couldn't get away with it in, in mixed, even with right. great partners. So well, we talk about the future. So there's two big topics that are you know, touchy and controversial, and, and one of them is... Uh, ratings oh rally scoring of course um so those are the you know those are two hot topics hot button topics and i go back to rally scoring as being here's the issue people hate change even yep. young people hate change with that and there was just a post the other day and it was annalee waters yeah no don't go to don't go to rally scoring well of course she says that She's dominating with this kind of scoring. The scoring will be closer matches. Obviously, it'll be closer. People understand this. There's teams can win rallies when they're receiving against Annalie and the great and Ben. But they don't score a very high percentage when they're the service team. And so the, 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 the rally scoring will make games closer the people that are dominating now and really if there's one bad thing about ppa and major league pickleball the same people are winning everywhere i guarantee you if we switch to rally scoring some of that would be changed the percentage wise the other players would have more of a chance now i can totally understand annalee waters saying we should never change she's dominating with this scoring system and so has Ben because it is very hard to win a rally um when you're the service team against them. Oh for sure. Rally scoring chase. Now when I say rally scoring, there's many options we could do with rally scoring. And you know we're we're they're testing them out right now with major league pickleball. There's so many options we could do with rally scoring. Now right. yeah, most people my age or even you know I say my age, I'm playing long I've there's people who are way older than me who've only played for 10 years and I've played for almost 50. But even those people who've only, you know, 
to me, they're, they're babies when they've only played for 10 years. So those, those people <laughs> yeah. hate the idea of rally scoring. They hate the idea of drop serves. Um, they hate change. If you logically think about things, here's the advantage with rally scoring. I teach class here every week to beginners. Do you know how long it takes us to teach them how to keep score? It's so damn, okay, there's three numbers, everybody. Three, you know, what? And then you get, and you go, well, then it's a side out. And they, and then they go, what's that mean? What side, what? Right? <laughs> right. So, it is so difficult to teach. It's the hardest. I can teach skills more than I can teach scoring. Oh, yeah. I, I always tell people, like, the absolute hardest thing to learn about pickleball is how to keep score. <laughs> right. So there's one issue. The other issue is, of course, television shows want to know, you know, they want to know how long a match is going to last before they put you on ESPN. We yep. have no idea to tell you. So there's a, there's a second issue. Um uh viewers they don't know what's happening wait they just got a point how come they didn't get a point um right i talked to i i've been playing this game long enough where i was playing with top badminton players who were also playing pickleball and they were telling me hey we're going to be switching from uh side out scoring to rally scoring it's a big deal it's really going to affect our sport a year later i talked to him it's all fine we it's fine. <laughs> No, yep. you know, I, I really think now a whole bunch of people are going to hate me for saying this. Let's rip the Band-Aid off and go to rally score. Now, I'm going to get a million people say, I hate Steve's idea. Of course, they hated my idea in the drop serve now, too. Right. Yep. Oh, yeah. But I'm telling you, if you could lot in it. And to me personally, I don't care if we do rally scoring. Either. I mean, I've, I've been around, you know, actually, I'm going to I'm going to beat most people my age more at a higher rate, higher score level, beat them if we stick with uh, side out scoring. I am willing to switch because I understand that it's really in the long run better for us too. Right. And I've been saying it for years. Like if we want pickleball to be a spectator sport and be on ESPN and national TV, it's got to switch to rally scoring. There's no way it can stick with traditional scoring and have any type of predictable time span because with the with the traditional scoring, there's just no way to predict how long a match is going to last. It could go, it could end in 15 minutes. It could end in an hour and a half. Right. Like you just you have no way of knowing. And like I've said this before too. Like I personally prefer traditional scoring, but I've had like I've played rally scoring and that was a lot of fun too. And I've always said like I feel like tournaments like have have a have a rally scoring tournament like just knowing going into it it's going to be a rally scoring thing get people used to it because if we want it to be on tv if we want this to be a spectator sport like there's just no way around it it's it's got to be it's got to be a rally scoring <laughs> this has been a topic for 10 years actually longer than that and uh it's going to go on and on and on and on and we're gradually ripping the band-aid off right now so you know mlp little rip little, and I would say most of the most of the pros probably like what we've they've done with uh, rally scoring, except probably the top top players, because they can beat you by a bigger margin with the old style scoring. Um, but I, I do think it's one of those things. It's going to change. It's so it this we know we're going to change. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna happen, but I I do agree with you. I think I actually I actually think more people are gonna disagree and hate you yeah. for suggesting rally scoring than your drop oh, yeah. serve idea. <laughs> no, I, I know that. I I know that. Yeah, but now I have another thing that I may have. Well, I think I'll, I may have a lot of people support me on this one. So here's my other. So it was about seven years ago where me and my buddy Paul Porch, he's a very good seventy-year-old player in this area. He's a math petition college math teacher coming from table tennis we decided our rating system was stupid this is the old rate it was just basically self-rating was what we did one you know zero to five we need to make this like table tennis so we were the, in fact well this is crazy but so kevin who owns this place he was pickable i don't know if he wants me to say this but he's pickableratings.com so they started the it, because of me and Paul started the new rating system that you the USAPA bought into they and they worked for them and it was based on an algorithm uh, an elo system on wins losses who you beat who you don't lose to in fact you could find my videos from seven years ago promoting this is how we need to do it right well there's one problem that I didn't think about. And that is, if you make an algorithm for doubles play, it will never, ever work because you can isolate the weak player. So I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a couple scenarios why none of the rating systems today are accurate. I'm not going to name names, but none of them are accurate. And here's here. Now, they're accurate for pros when they all play with each other. They're all great. Right. So right now, I'm going to give you one scenario. If Ben Johns played a local 5-0 tournament with a 2-5 player, he's winning it every time. And the other 2-5 player just has to serve and return serve. Ben takes over the court, beats every local 5-0 team. That 2-5 player gets a rating of 5-0. Well, there's one scenario it doesn't work. Now I'll give you another scenario. This is my scenario. You're 67 years old. You used to be able to do that. Now you have a weak partner. They isolate your weak partner and your rating goes down to their almost their level. There's two scenarios. Now I'll tell you something that everybody's going to relate to that's watching this podcast. You get your foursome all ready to organize to play. So you get your foursome and I'm guilty of this. I don't play much rec play anymore because of what I'm going to talk about. So you get your foursome and you you try to get four equal players, but so, oh, somebody couldn't show up. And you've got a 4-0 playing with three other 5-0s. Before any game starts, you know who's going to win every game. Now, what if you played tournaments with that partner all, all your life? Your rating is going to be low. This is something I'm really passionate about for years. So that's why... We started that we wanted an ELO rating system because we were both table tennis players and we knew how accurate the ELO system was in table tennis zero to 3,000, not one to five. You know, if you went to a club to play table tennis and uh, if you walked in and you said you'd walk, okay, tournament night Wednesday, and you said you're a 1200 ranked 1200, you know, they'd put, you know, okay, eight people on this table, eight, 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 and they would do it by your, and it was very accurate. Oh, this is great. We need to have this in pickleball. So come up with this ELO system. We were the first 
wants to have a neato system algorithm based on your results and doubles, I soon realize you cannot do it in Piccadilly. Why? Because you can isolate the weaker player. Table tennis, you can't because in table tennis, you have to alternate shots. I hit, you hit. I hit, you hit. Right. So if you're great at singles, you're the same level in doubles. Pickleball, I told you about the uh, the scenarios that just do not work. And it'll never work. It'll never work. Now, some of the duper ratings are very accurate for pros because they all have the same great partners. Now, if the top duper player played with the lowest duper, now their ratings are going to be hit. I'm, that, that's why they're very careful who they play with. My idea, and this has been going on for like six years, because we do, you know how much training we do with skinny singles, correct? We do, yep. you know, skinny singles is how you get good at doubles. Um, everybody should have a skinny singles rating. I would morally, I would trust uh, a blind date with a partner way more by looking at their skinny singles rating we don't have those yet, than I would their doubles rating based on any of the doubles rating systems we have today. Why? Because you have to use all the shots you use in doubles. You have to reset. You have to be able to block. You have to hit thirds. Or if you hit a hard third, it's got to be low. You dink the fifth. Um, all the skills used in doubles are used in skinny singles. When I give lessons to students and they start getting to where they can beat me at skinny singles, okay, now I'll be your partner. Before that, I will not be their partner. So at our club here at Rex, we've we've experimented with this. We've had skinny singles nights. And you know why we have to do it at clubs like this? Clubs like this have, okay, this is the 3-0 night. This is the 4-0 night. People come to 4-0 night, they're not even near 4-0. But yeah. if you have them all play skinny singles against each other, they can see that immediately. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Without a doubt, if we want an accurate rating system, the most I mean, it's okay to have what we have, but that's your doubles rating, and it won't be as accurate as a skinny singles rating. And we need everybody needs to have a skinny singles rating. It should be done at your club, you know, with skinny singles rating night. I could I could stair step every player at this club by doing skinny singles. Now, what I'm what I'm saying might be like, whoa, a light bulb just went on for a lot of people because they know just what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. It makes sense. But I, I never thought about what you were saying before. But yeah, it makes sense. That's one of the things I love about you, Steve. Like you've been around the game longer than a huge majority of the people that play pickleball. But also you are a big proponent about, about moving the game along and changing things for the better and not just keeping things the same as they were. So that's one of the many reasons why I love having you on the show. I love talking to you about pickleball. But man, this has been such a fun night. Yeah, well, we had we had a few get we had a, Enrique as a guest, uh, a second guest. We uh, you got to meet some of our Norm, who happened to be here tonight, Hall of Fame contributor, and then some of our women pros that are out here playing, and then the owner of the club. And uh, yeah, this is my new hangout, all because of this club. I bought a farm about seven miles away from here. I I I now own a farm. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, now, the only thing I have on my farm are gophers. So I'm, a, I'm a gopher farmer. Gopher but farm, okay. The reason I bought uh, this farm is so I could build two indoor courts. So I'm getting the permits lined up now. So I'm going to have two indoor courts at my home. And my Very next, cool. now, here's what's crazy. I gave lessons two weeks ago to a father's son. And they go, you know, uh, we're your neighbors. 
Really? How many acres? They have 23 acres next to me. I could wave to them when they're. And he goes, well, you, you know that barn that we have out there? Yeah, that's an indoor pickleball court. Oh, wow. <laughs> so last <laughs> that's awesome. Ago, I went over and played at my neighbor's indoor pickleball court. Nice. Oh, and man, I'm gonna that's have, so cool. And I'm going to have two. And then we have Rex here five miles away. So it's. Man, you are living the life. You've got neighbors yeah. with private pickleball court. You've got Rex nearby. And you're going to have two of your own indoor pickleball courts. That is amazing. <laughs> I love it. Very jealous. And like I've said before, like I've got to come, come out and visit. visit you. Yeah, I've got to come out and visit you. It's definitely high on my bucket list to come visit you, play pickleball with you, and have a beer with you. I've got to make those things happen very soon. You know, there was another thing on my list that I wanted to mention. Um, it was about last April, May, when the Sports Illustrated article came out, when we were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And it brought up brought up a lot of the controversies we have with people fighting over who's going to control pickleball and and uh right my good friend Seymour Rifkin was in that article a lot uh, in fact so he was here last year at that time the article had just come out and uh, that was the night they recognized us and put that plaque up and uh, questions and answers for Seymour and you know at the time. That was the biggest controversial, impactful thing in pickleball last year. All these other things that we've said have kind of come after that. You know, right. Oh, yeah. So at the time, that that's when I first started having friends say, I just saw pickleball was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. You know, so I didn't want to forget that because that really was a, a very impactful uh, story that put a lot of light on, I mean, to get notice from the magazine Sports Illustrated. It's pretty, yeah. pretty big deal. Oh, yeah. At the time, that was massive. Like, that was one of the biggest deals as far as exposure for pickleball that wow. we had. But now with this year, mm -hmm. the exposure pickleball has gotten. I mean, we had a CBS special recently with a bunch of the oh, top A-list yeah. actors and comedians yeah. and stuff. I mean, I thought that was great. I mean, it wasn't high-level pickleball, but I still thought it was great for the sport. No, I thought it was great for the sport, too, because we're getting people see that wow, these celebrities I like are playing this game. It looks kind of fun. I think I could play that. And, yeah. and you know, that those those players that were playing that night looked like my beginner series classes I teach. Right. I could see the same errors, the same. Yep. You know, it's funny how all the same beginners do the same things wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Really a commonality that us teaching pros see over and over and over Um there's like four or five things we see right away that all beginners do wrong. Two biggest swings, getting pushed off the kitchen line. Yep. Uh, angles of the paddle changing like crazy. Uh, not not getting to the kitchen. Um, getting to the kitchen after you serve. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yep. You know, the same things over and over, and then that show exposed it. But and I think they were probably coached for a day, probably only one day. There were a couple of them that had played longer. Now, but um, you know the team that won. Why did they win? They were the only team that got to the kitchen. Yep. <laughs> and and not that they were. Uh, I could have coached two or two or three or four of those others to beat those guys easily if they would have got to the kitchen. But you know, they didn't. And uh, you know, of course, blocking skills are tough for beginners. I'm teaching two classes here. One's called How to Beat the Bangers. And then the other one is called um, resetting from everywhere. And that's first you take, 
first you take how to beat the bangers class. And then, and also when you, when you take how to beat the bangers, you learn how to be a banger because bangers beat most everybody up to about 3.8 level players. Yep. And, and, and uh, they get there quickly, but then they've got a ceiling they can't get above. So then you take the next class, how to reset from everywhere. And when you can do that and bang and Oh, now I'm just kind of more well-rounded player. Yep. Yeah, for sure. That is the key, being a nice, well-rounded player. Like you can't can't get by just being a banger. You can't get by just having a good soft game. Definitely need to be well-rounded. Absolutely. The the other thing, so you know, I, you know, here I am, a sixty-seven-year-old player who's played for almost fifty years. Every year, I try to improve. There are many people my age and younger than me who just this is my game. This is what I play. I'm not going to change, right? So yeah. when I went to nationals this year, um, uh. I made a point of watching the best seniors in the world. And to me, that's Dan Gingrich and Dave Weinbach. And I followed them around and, you know, and I know them and, and, so, and I would get more insight than the average person watching because I would ask them questions, you know, and um, both those two guys are so great about uh, teaching the game the love of the game. I, I tell you, if there's one thing I love is watching uh, Weinbach on a court laughing all the time. He's what, you know, he's one of the best seniors in the world. This should be the most serious damn thing you do. Right. He's still having fun. Nice. So there's one thing I like is, is people having fun on the pickleball court. And oh, for sure. So that's what I, you know, I gained from, there's a couple shots. I want to tell you what they are that, um, I want to copy from uh, Weinbach. And just a little, we're talking, if you can improve this much, there's a fine line between being the best senior pro and being the ones that just compete. And he's doing those little things that make him the best. And so is uh, Dan Gingrich. And what I'm impressed with Dan Gingrich, he hasn't been playing that long. And he is learning every day he plays well this is a guy who's willing to change if paddles changed tomorrow and had more spin he would adapt that's the thing about adapting changing with the game and he's that guy and i talked to him about that so you know the new shot now is the pancake shot so yeah this is normally a backhand not with these guys boom <laughs> you know and they anticipate and uh and I watched him drill during hybrid where they do a, a senior pro with a young pro. And I was watching him train with this young female pro and in between matches, he is working, working, working on the oh, pancake shot, when to do it, how to do it and how to get your partner to know when you're going to do it and how to cover for you when you can't do it. That's a whole other degree. I would have never thought of. And there's probably 80% of the teaching pros out there will tell you never do that. Really? Yeah. And, and, you know, there was, a, and, and I would say 80% of the teaching pros will say, hold a continental grip. Most pros don't hold a continental grip anymore. They're all switching to an Eastern forehand so they can hit backhands like Ben from way behind them. And they can hit a forehand farther out in front of them. That right. I never see that taught yet, but because, you know, and, and we used to always teach, Oh, you, you hit a dink like you're bowling underhand lift dink. Right this 
right? So, yeah. If that's what you teach your students and that's all they can do, they sure they're going to have to move all over the place to get in position to hit that dink. Where the people yep. who can hit this dink, this dink can cover the entire court with a little lunge and balance and dink. That's a that's one of the biggest changes I've seen in the last three or four years, is is balance lunge dinks. Interesting. Well, uh, well, Steve, this has been awesome. We covered a lot of topics tonight. I'm sure we missed some of the things that were super impactful in the year 2022 because so much happened this year, but I feel like we did a pretty good job at covering 10 of the most impactful things that happened in 2022. But man, I just, I can't imagine what's going to happen in 2023. Uh, If 2022 is any indication, it's going to be another massive year for the sport of pickleball. I feel like 2022 just kind of like set the stage for what's coming and it's going to be awesome. But I'm very excited about it. I can't wait to see how it goes. I expect the White House to be putting in a pickleball court, uh, <laughs> depending on who is, is the president. We'll probably see right. pickleball courts at the White House soon. So, oh yeah, I could I could totally see like people in the future talking about the White House pickleball courts and the <laughs> the annual White House pickleball tournament. <laughs> yep. 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 Nice. Well, I really appreciate you joining me here tonight, Steve. This has been awesome. This is the first time we've ever done an end of the year special without Eddie and I together. So I can't think of anybody better to join me than you. So this is very Say cool. Hi to Eddie, I'm sorry I didn't have any gifts for you like Eddie always had. <laughs> yeah, we didn't do our dollar store gift exchange, yeah. but yeah. next year. There's always next year. We'll bring right. that back. <laughs> but this has been awesome. And uh, I hope you have a great night, Steve. And Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Man, what an awesome and fun episode this was for me. I always love getting a chance to hang out and talk to Steve. And he proved once again why he's one of my all-time favorite guests. He's so insightful. He just knows everything about the sport. He's been around it for, like he said, almost 50 years now. And he's a very impactful person. He has had a big part to play in rule changes, rule changes that I think are for the better for the sport. And he's always got different ideas for things to move the sport along and make it grow even more. I absolutely love that fact. Uh, Sometimes controversial. (laughs) People don't always like the ideas that he comes up with. But so far, I've always understood and approved of his ideas. And I do think they are generally the best thing for the sport. So, yeah, I love it. I love talking to him. Very interesting guy. And uh, hopefully we'll have him on again in the future. I'm sure we will. But this was a very fun and awesome end of the year special. It sucked not having Eddie here. First time ever that Eddie has not been involved in the end of the year podcast. But I'm sure that'll change. We'll have Eddie back on next year much more. It's always much more fun having Eddie with us. But Steve was an amazing guest and I had a great time. And (laughs) the fact that multiple Hall of Famers were at the location tonight, we got to hang out with El Condor This was just such an awesome and fun episode for me. I hope you guys had as much fun listening to it and tuning in as I did being a part of it. I love the sport of pickleball. I love doing this podcast. And nights like tonight are one of the many reasons why I love it so much. But that's going to do it for us here tonight. I hope you all had a great holiday. Happy New Year. And... There's just so much great stuff coming for Pickleball in the upcoming year. I am super excited about it, but that's going to do it for us here tonight. And until next time, this is Webby, not Eddie, signing off.